This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, October 14th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. It's debatable whether an announcement from the Speaker of the House marks the official beginning of an official impeachment inquiry, but it appears to be moving along nonetheless. The president, for his part in all this, has declined to participate. Given the oversight functions Congress has over the executive branch, can he actually decline? Cato's Gene Healy comments. In an eight-page letter... The White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, basically said that the White House was going to decline participation in the the House's uh, inquiry. Um, what were the reasons that he gave? Yeah, they're they're not playing along. Uh, the White House counsel, well, they gave a number of reasons. Is quite a fiery letter. Uh, the impeachment inquiry, for which they use scare quotes. Uh, it's unconstitutional, it's invalid, it violates due process, and it's basically a partisan attempt by angry Democrats to overturn the 2016 election, which is not exactly a legal objection. Yeah, so uh, it, the letter, as you, as you noted, is uh, very uh, fiery. Um, they refer to the proceedings as constitutionally illegitimate. Um, he makes claims about what the president is entitled to in uh, impeachment inquiries. How much water do those claims hold about what a president is due in an impeachment inquiry? Well, not much. I mean, the letter demands this host of criminal law protections, uh, you know, the president should get to present evidence, cross-examine witnesses, and so on. Uh, these are the kind of rights that typically uh, a uh, subject of impeachment would get at the actual Senate trial. Um, and impeachment's not a criminal process. So there's, you know, due process doesn't apply uh, in impeachment in, in, in the way that it applies in a a criminal process. And uh, I think analogies with the criminal process are generally off, but one that people often make about impeachment in the House is that uh, it, it's like a grand jury proceeding. But none of these things are available. None of, you know, the right to present evidence and testify, uh, cross-examine, uh, strike, you know, make objections to evidence. This is not, uh, most of these things are not Given to grand jury targets as of right, um, you know, in, in a federal grand jury investigation, you don't even necessarily need to know you're a target uh, and you don't have any any right to uh, testify before the grand jury. So even uh, in, in this sort of process where uh, the target of a grand jury investigation is at risk of actually going to jail, uh, due process doesn't apply in the way that they want to apply to the impeachment process. And remember that impeachment doesn't actually deprive anyone of their liberty, unlike a grand jury indictment potentially puts you on the road to going to jail. Uh, all impeachment does is put someone out of a job. Uh, so uh, this is uh, unusual and overblown. So uh, with respect to the actual claim, we declined to participate. We're not going along with uh, what they term uh, an illegitimate, unconstitutional uh, process. Uh, what ground does the does the president or precedent provide 
uh, for a president who's just says, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to follow any of your uh, edicts or mandates. Well, in general, you can't resist a congressional subpoena or any lawful subpoena on the grounds that the people investigating you are totally biased. Uh, that's just not a thing. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court has recognized uh, the limited executive privilege outside of the impeachment context, but this isn't even that. This is their partisan. And, you know, find me a nonpartisan presidential impeachment. Uh, the three most serious attempts, Andrew Johnson, Richard Nixon, and Bill Clinton, all involved the Congress held by the other party going after the president. Uh, any one of those three could have uh, called the, the, the proceedings a kangaroo court as Trump did over Twitter. Uh, that's not a valid objection. So I guess, to, to you know, the, the, the House and Senate, Congress has oversight authority over the executive branch. Um, how does that how does that oversight authority play into what the House might demand of the White House? Well, the uh, powers of Congress to uh, demand information are generally recognized to be at their height when you've got an impeachment inquiry going on. It's where they're, they're, uh, their need for evidence is strongest and their claim to it is most powerful. And it's here, while I think that the White House counsel's letter is uh, you know, generally it's mostly bluster and nonsense, uh, I do think they have half a point when they say that Congress should actually formally authorize the inquiry with the vote of the whole of the full house. Uh, there's nothing in the in the Constitution that re requires that. Uh, the Constitution doesn't say much at all about the uh, process in the House. It says mainly that the House has the sole power of impeachment, and it doesn't say that there has to be a formal vote uh, you know to authorize an impeachment inquiry. Even so, uh, you know, it's what's been done before in presidential impeachment inquiries, and I think it's a little bit too cute for uh, for the House Democrats to say that this is an official impeachment inquiry just because Nancy Pelosi started using the adjective impeachment in front of inquiry. So I think they, they really should uh, honor this past practice, hold the vote. And, uh, you know, essentially call the president's bluff if he, you know, if they're saying that uh, this is one of the main reasons this isn't a real impeachment inquiry, this is why it's not a fair process, then go ahead and hold that vote. And also another thing they, they complained about was that the minority doesn't have subpoena power. The Republicans can't call their own witnesses. Uh, again, nothing in the Constitution requires that, but I think it would be smart uh, for the for the House leadership to approve that, to do it the way it's been done before. And, you know, maybe they'll call Hunter Biden and that'll get interesting. But uh, I, I, what, I, I think what they, they should follow these norms, uh, you know, that President Trump claims to be concerned about and, uh, you know, genuflect in the direction of making it uh, – a fair and orderly process. Uh, I, I think they have no good reason not to do that. And I think it would eliminate one of the administration's arguments for saying that they can, they, they just don't have to play along. It, it's, yes, it seems like, uh, at least so far, not having a vote on whether to officially, 
uh, launch an impeachment inquiry uh, seems to be, as you would expect, almost entirely political. Yeah, initially it was uh, that uh, Nancy Pelosi didn't want to put these Democrats in vulnerable districts to up to a possibly controversial vote. But if they are going to impeach the president, there has to be a vote, you know, a majority vote uh, by the House. Everyone's going to have to vote on it. Uh, so I don't see the the logic behind that anymore. And uh, I, I think I, th I think they'd be well served to to make this concession, even if nothing in the Constitution requires it. So if the president uh, doubles down and even after the House uh, begins its uh, inquiry, assuming that the White House counsel doesn't change his tune on the legitimacy of that inquiry after a vote, what options are available to Congress to either compel um, uh, agreement or compel obedience with respect to uh, their inquiry or or not? Most of their options aren't very good. They, the House doesn't really have any quick and easy remedies to executive branch stonewalling. Uh, the usual remedies, you know, they could try criminal contempt. They could refer it to the Department of Justice for prosecution, but DOJ answers to the president and they're not going to prosecute him. They, they can't by their own policy. They, 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 they're not allowed to uh, by their own rules, uh, not that they'd be inclined to. Uh, they could try civil contempt, try to get it uh, uh, subpoenas enforced through the federal courts. Uh, they've done that before. The problem is that that process takes a fair amount of time, and uh, presidents, you know, can run out the clock. Uh, a lot of times, the evidence route the demanded is only granted like years after the uh, the controversy is over. So that's not a very good remedy either. They also have this power of inherent contempt that they haven't used since the 1930s. Uh, you know, actually going out and arresting uh, recalcitrant uh, potential witnesses. And you know, well, it, it, it would be a lot of fun to see the House Sergeant at Arms go out and arrest Rudy Giuliani or something like that uh, and put him in the House basement. Uh, it doesn't seem like a very practical solution, and uh, it might be a risky one. Uh, it would certainly be a spectacle. And, you know, the uh, executive branch probably has the House Sergeant at Arms outgunned. Uh, all of that means that the, there's really, you know, if, there, if this really comes to a head, uh, they have one very good remedy, but it's uh, pretty extreme. Uh, they can impeach the president for withholding evidence. It seems uh, unlikely um, and untoward, perhaps, for the House to pursue all these other actions of, you know, going out and arresting people or that sort that sort of thing, if they haven't actually voted on an official impeachment inquiry in deference to established norms. Yes, I think that's one of the reasons they should vote to authorize an official inquiry, even if the Constitution doesn't require it. I think it would put them in a stronger position. Uh, but ultimately, because these three other remedies, uh, the so civil and criminal contempt and inherent contempt, aren't really going to do the job, they may be left with uh, you know one pretty stark choice, which would be uh, an article of impeachment 
based on the president's refusal to provide evidence. And that refusal uh, is clearly an impeachable offense. There's, uh, there's precedent for it. One of the articles of impeachment that drove Nixon from office, because remember, he he quit before the full House could vote on these articles of impeachment, but the uh, House Judiciary Committee approved all three of these articles. The third article of impeachment uh, that the House Judiciary Committee approved in July 1974 was based on you know pretty much the policy that that that, uh, that Trump has announced. Uh, you know they, they impeached Nixon. The House Judiciary Committee impeached Nixon or voted for an article of impeachment based on Nixon's disobedience to congressional subpoenas and his bogus and overbroad executive privilege claims. Uh, the article that they approved said that uh, that he had by by refusing to to fully honor these subpoenas. He'd interpose the powers of the presidency against uh, the lawful requests of the, of the Congress. And so, in other words, Nixon's resistance to providing evidence in impeachment inquiry was itself grounds for impeachment. And on top of which, uh, Nixon's obstruction was actually less comprehensive than the policy that that President Trump has announced. Uh you know, Nixon was guilty of partial, selective, and uh, you know, duplicitous uh, compliance with, with uh, c- congressional demands for for evidence. The policy that uh, President Trump and the White House Counsel ha- have announced is a total stonewall of Congress. We will, we'll, you know, you can have nothing and like it. Uh, so there is precedent for an article of impeachment based on this, and uh, you know he's well within the precedent. So what's next? Well, uh, you know you, you're taking a, a a big risk trying to predict anything in this presidency, but um, I think this is a pretty serious issue, uh, and you know wherever you stand uh, on this particular president, I think it's important to try to. Uh, uh, to think yourself outside of the partisan day-to-day red team, blue team battles and imagine a scenario in which a president uh, that, uh, you know, that you really don't like uh, is claiming this right to just shut down uh, any compliance with a lawful congressional investigation. Uh, It's a terrible precedent and it, it would... Uh, really lead to a, a, a serious impasse uh, that threatens the separation of powers. Uh, so what's going to happen next? Uh, I, I don't know. There, there has been some, I, I would say this though, there, there's been some debate lately about whether President Trump actually wants to be impeached, that you know he's playing 11-dimensional chess and this is all part of his plan. Uh, I I don't buy that. I think it's pretty silly. If you look at his Twitter feed where he's screaming about uh, how Adam Schiff should be uh, uh, arrested for treason, uh, he really doesn't seem like uh, uh, somebody who's who's relishing the prospect of becoming the third president in American history to wear this black mark. Um, so I don't think he wants to be impeached, but 
if I'm wrong, and he really does want to be the third American president to be impeached, uh, this is a really good way to go about it. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute and author of the recent Cato paper, Indispensable Remedy, the Broad Scope of the Constitution's Impeachment Power. Subscribe to and share this podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>